I did miss you a lot. I did have a great two weeks, actually. Went to Infuge with the youth two weeks ago to Lynchburg. Had a great week um, with our sites and just hanging out with these guys, doing worship together and Bible study. I got home Friday, took off early Sunday morning to go to California to hang out with my mom. Carrie and Cameron were already there. And then Wednesday, we flew to Denver for a couple of days, and my other two brothers and their families were there. So that was a great, great week, Um, but so good to be back. And I am proud to announce today's the day. Do you know what today is? The last sermon on James. (laughs) So turn with me to James chapter 5, verses 19 and 20. I I make that sound like it's this dreaded thing that's over. I've had a blast um, I've had a blast. I went back and counted minus Dave with two, Randy Dick with one, 35 sermons through James. Um, throw in some Christmas and Easter and all that, but it has been, it has been amazing. Uh, so we're going to look at the last two verses and let me read those to you. So James 5, 19 through 20, 19 and 20, the last two. Says, my brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. And here we are at the end of James, and James has been pushing true faith. What does your faith look like? Uh, what does your relationship with God? And it's not just showing up. It's not just saying, I believe. It's living it out. It's actually doing you're doing your relationship with God. You're doing faith. You're showing with the work that God is doing in your heart is coming out of you in the way that you treat others, the way that you worship, the way that you engage with culture, all of that. We've gone through James. And in fact, every single week, I've given you a title, true faith, whatever, true faith, fill in the blank. Today's, if you have your pen and paper ready, if you're taking notes, here's today's title, true faith. Just those two words, true faith, because it's going to wrap up all of James and show us what true faith looks like. And so as we go through this passage, and we've been the last couple of weeks in this last section of James dealing with prayer, praying for one another, praying for the sick, uh, Dave with the power of prayer, uh, and how important that is. That's an important tool, but James is James, and he's going to end his book with application. So not only do we pray, but we're actually supposed to do something about who we pray for. Uh, And in this case, it's the wanderer. It's who has kind of left and is lost, doesn't really have this relationship with God, uh, relationship with Jesus that that we need to go out and seek. So not just pray for them, but we're going to go after them. So today is in three parts. We're going to look at the truth. Uh, And James says that... Some of you are wandering from the truth, and we're going to take a look at what the truth is, and then who are the wanderers, and then who are the rescuers? What is our role as Christians? So what is true faith? Faith that we have is in Jesus Christ as our Savior and Lord, allowing us access to God the Father by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's our faith. That's our relationship with God. That is more than just saying yes you know, I accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and then we have our ticket to heaven, and we just kind of live our life until God takes us home. No, James is like, okay, great. 
Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, now how does your life look different because of that? And that's where we are. Uh, seeing that true, the truth is, is the gospel. The truth is who Jesus is. What did Jesus say? I am the way, the truth, and the life. Everything hinges on who Jesus Christ is as Savior and as our Redeemer and the one who paid his, his life as a sacrifice for our sins. And so here's the truth. Here is what true faith means. And like I said, James has said, okay, live that out. What does that look like? As Jesus Christ is Savior and Lord, we must live for him. And the truth is the gospel that in verse 20 is what saves our soul and covers a multitude of sin. It's Jesus. Uh, that's who, who we are in Christ and that, that we have that relationship with Jesus Christ because of our faith and that we are all in. And God's work in our faith is part of that faith growth process. <clears throat> if we are growing in our faith, it's there's growth. If things are growing, there's going to be a change. There's a process, steps forward, <clears throat> that we follow, that we continue to seek after God. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10. And the essence of, of Christ as our Savior and Lord, access to the Father by the power of the Holy Spirit, is grace. Uh, we don't deserve any of it. There is nothing that we deserve or that we earn in this relationship with God. So Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, <clears throat> or actually 8 through 10, says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not your own de- doing, it is the gift of God. Not a result of works, so that no one may boast. So we know it's not anything we can do, anything that we can say. The saving power, the grace comes from God and God alone. But then what does verse 10 say? For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And we've used that verse through James. That God has a plan. God has works for us to do because of our faith that we receive freely and that grace and love. Living that out is going to cause our works to be different, our words to be different, our attitude to be different. Everything about us should change because of our relationship with God. And it's all God. It's all God. It's all of his work, which means that we are secure in our faith. If it is all up to God and our salvation is in him and we have nothing to do with that, we are secure in our faith, that we won't lose our salvation. Let me give you three verses or three passages and I'll read you the passage and and then I'll just read it to you. So write down real quick, unless you're really quick with the Bible app. Uh, the first is Philippians 1, 6. says, And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It's God at work in us. It's not anything that we do. It's God work. And once he starts that work, he's going to complete it. 1 Corinthians 1, verses 7 through 9 so that you are not lacking in any gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will sustain you to the end. So Christ sustains us to the end, guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful, by whom you were called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. And then two verses in Jude, verses 24 and 25. 
says, now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling, anyone else stumble as bad as I do? And to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. All the work of salvation, all the work of our faith is in God. It's his work in us. And if he's got his hands in our life, then we are sealed by that. We are sealed and covered and protected in our relationship with God. And so when we look at these verses, the wording is like, well, wait a second. If I'm a believer and I'm wandering away, do I need to be saved again? No, we don't lose our salvation. If we are truly having, if we truly have Christ Jesus as our Lord and we are truly growing in our faith, and there's fruit in our life. And so it's the work of God. There's security in that, in that. And when Jesus Christ is Lord of our life, our life looks different. It is a faith that we fall in love with God, that we are excited to be here at church, not only to see friends and hang out and listen to good music, hopefully you're singing a little bit, listening to a message, but what are we coming? We're here because we're in love with Jesus. Uh, and then when we mess up, when we sin, it should grieve our heart. As it, having true faith, when we sin, our heart grieves because we have offended someone who we love. And that's Jesus. And that's our relationship with God. And so here's this security that we have. And knowing that our lives are trying to stay focused on Jesus, following and listening to the Holy Spirit, and understanding that we are to try to live the best that we can for the glory of God and all that we do. And so are we getting the gist of what the truth is and what faith is, true faith? It sounds amazing, right? This is what we need. This is all that we need. We need nothing else in this world but faith in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Then why are people wandering? Why, if we have something so amazing... Are, are people wandering away? Or James, and we're going to talk about this in a second, actually come and hear these things, but they don't truly take it to heart. They don't truly ask Christ to be their Lord and Savior. They just miss it. Uh, they think it's easy just to kind of check a box of, yes, I'm a Christian, I go to church. They don't have the true faith and that acceptance of Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And so James knows this. He knows that there are people in the church who don't truly believe. And more than believe, that the demons believe, but actually have Christ as their Lord and Savior. And James knows this. He has warned us all throughout the book of what that looks like. Um, and wandering is kind of getting lost. It's going off track a little bit. You're on a trail and you, you go to adventure if you've been with me, I like to adventure drive. Like, let's go on a little adventure drive. Um, of course, we did that in California. Carrie and Cameron just put up with it now. Um, we drove up to Lake Tahoe, beautiful drive. And, you know, we wanted to go a couple of different directions, thinking that might be fun. We have GPS now, by the way. That's cheating, right? And I, I don't miss when it would say recalculating. Do you remember when the phones would do that? Our GPS, now it just kind of readjusts. So we're following the, the road up, and 
it, you can get lost if you didn't have the GPS and the mountains up there are gorgeous, the Denver mountains. I would hate to go off without any kind of compass or guide to show me the right way because if I get wandering, I'm going to get lost. Uh, when Carrie and I, as we're, as I'm thinking about David and Rachel moving, they have an easy move. It's like four hours. Um, we came all the way from California and I didn't, I think I've shared this before. The church what could have flown us out, but who doesn't want to go on a road trip right across the country with a two-year-old, a five-year-old and an eight-year-old? I mean, when other, what other chance? No one chooses to drive across the country necessarily. So we drive, and this is pre-smartphones. Remember Thomas Guide, the book? So we had the Thomas Guide version of the entire United States um, so that we could make sure we followed the right freeways and highways and, and chart out our destination. By the way, we ended up like in Chicago by choice, by choice. We didn't wander out that bad. Um, but if we weren't following the guide when we pulled off for for meals when we pulled off for the hotel, like we could get lost easily without that guide. Uh, and so James knows that as people go through life, there's some wandering. There's some that are lost. Uh, they never were on the right path. There's some that have seen the path and are like, nah, I, you know, I kind of want to stay over here. It's a little too, you know, committing for me to to get on this path. And so James has given us a picture of Someone wandering aimlessly in their faith uh, and not truly knowing what what that path looks like as Jesus Christ as Savior. Now, you can look at this and say, well, this is for the unsaved. And yes, we need to always go after those who, who have never heard about Christ. Then you have what I think is James' perspective, because he uses the word, my brother's which is rare. He's used brethren before or brothers, but my brothers, it's like his family, like his church family, those he's, who he has been closest with. He uses the words, my brothers and among you. So I believe James is warning those who have tried, kind of tried on their faith, given it a chance and not, it hasn't st- stuck. It hasn't, they haven't committed to Christ Jesus as Lord and Savior. And I know that there are people in this room who haven't truly given their life to Christ as their Lord and Savior. They show up, they do the right thing, they dress up, they do all the ministries. But I'm afraid that there might be some that are missing exactly the point. And that's Jesus, all about Jesus. And then verse 20, you could look at saying, well, if they're coming to church and they're truly saved, you know, and they go away, do they lose their salvation? No. That's why we talked through about the verses earlier about being secure in our faith and having our salvation in God and the work of Jesus Christ in our life. And so we have this picture of a true Christian and knowing that they have a faith in Jesus, but then others who might show up and don't really get it. They're not, they, Christ Jesus is not Lord and Savior of their life. They know who he is. They believe in him, but even the demons believe. So here's James writing to the church, knowing that there are some who have not made a profession of faith and that they aren't genuinely saved. And all through James, he talks about this. James one twenty two, 
says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. There's got to be fruit. There's got to be, if God, if God, if you love Jesus so much and he's affected your life, it's going to come out. It can't not come out. Uh, there's fruit that comes from our life because our true worship of Jesus Christ is our savior. James 2.14 says, what good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Cannot faith save him? And then 2.17, a few verses later, so also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. So let's turn to Luke chapter 8. Here's a parable of the sowers. Here Jesus gives us a picture of what happens when people are exposed to the truth, to the gospel, to the saving grace of Jesus Christ and God the Father. And, and it's reality that some people show up, they come, and they just don't get it. That breaks my heart. Um, as a youth pastor, as a children's worker, oh, I need to get my church, my kids and my youth to church because they're going to get saved. Not necessarily. And that's a harsh reality. It's got to be a personal decision for each of us to have Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. So Luke chapter 8, verses 4 through 8. And here's the parable of the sower. So here's a situation where a sower is throwing seed. The seed is the gospel, the truth. And look what happens. A sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot. And the birds of the air devoured it. And some fell on the rock, and as it grew up, it withered away, because it had no moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. And some fell into good soil and grew, yielded a hundredfold for fruit. As he said these things, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. So here's the four situations, uh, the four people who heard the gospel had access to the truth, okay? And the first one, basically rejected. Satan comes in, it hits hard ground, it never penetrated their thoughts, anything. These are people that are just, they're unsaved. They've not understood that the Holy Spirit has not pierced their heart, and so they, they're lost. And then the next two, you have the second where the, the seed fell on a shallow soil and hard, rocky layers beneath it and the third seed where it came and the thorns choked it out hey these are people that heard and actually probably even responded with interest yes this sounds amazing this is who i need as jesus christ as savior and lord but then they're distracted or they're the culture uh is, is overwhelming to them or they just get overwhelmed in life. I'm like, now I got to do this myself. They never bore fruit. And so, but that could be people here at church because they've given church a chance. They've given Jesus a chance, but they never accepted him as Lord and Savior. And then the fourth seed is the good soil. Uh, someone who has heard the gospel, heard the truth, accepted Christ as Savior and Lord, and then lived that out and bore fruit. Uh, and so here are the situations and we have them all around us. Uh, these three different, three different people. And knowing that James referring to those two middle groups about those attending church, maybe even faithfully, maybe, maybe even for years, 
and not truly given their life over to Christ as Lord and Savior. But they, it, it feels okay. It feels good. It's a good place to be. But they never truly committed and went all in in their faith. And understanding that it's, it's easy to get into the groove and culture of a church, right? You're hearing positive messages. You're hearing about Jesus. Uh, you're worshiping God. It sounds good. It feels good. But how many of us woke up this morning intentional and excited about coming to worship Jesus? Versus, man, I've got to do this for Sunday school. I've got to prepare this. Uh, kids aren't ready. I've got to, I'm not going to be late to church. You know, we get caught up in all, now I'm guilty of this as well. But that's truly what our faith is about. It's about Jesus and our relationship with him. But there are some people in church who come and are faithful to the work of the church and not faithful to the Savior and not fully committed to who he is in their life. And and so we have James that's warning, look, all through this book, it takes action. It, there's got to be fruit that is bore in our in our lives to show this real faith that we have. Now, I wanted to use the parable of the sower too because you have the people with the good soil. Those who have accepted Christ, Christ is Lord and Savior. They're in the middle of this faith growth process. They're growing. But man, life can get overwhelming sometimes, can't it? And a little wandering off the path, a little kind of glancing over off the path. Man, it seems easier over there. Let me just take a break. Let me just let me just step off for a little bit. You know, I'm not leaving, and I know that that I'm locked in with God, but it's so hard sometimes. So let me just take a little break. Sometimes we get into that mindset of not fully loving God with all of our heart and our soul and our mind. We've forgotten to lo- how to love our neighbor as ourselves. Uh, we've forgotten to forgive someone fully because Christ forgave us. Uh, not really sensing the Holy Spirit at work in our life. So sometimes we can get a little distracted. But we haven't gone all the way off the path. And again, this is not about any conversation of losing your salvation. But sometimes it's just difficult to work through our faith and be fully committed. And then the hard ground. We should always be after those who are not saved. Those who have never heard the name of Jesus. Those who have heard the name of Jesus or been turned off by the church. There are people desperately needing salvation in Christ Jesus. So we should always be about seeking after them to continue to be a witness in all that we do in our own lives, in the life of our church, going after those who are unsaved. So then that brings us to the rescuers. Who are the rescuers? It's all of you. It's all of us. Um, here's the beauty of this passage. God uses people to bring people back. How awesome of a privilege and honor that is. Could God in his own power bring a, a lost soul to him? Absolutely. He doesn't really need us, does he? Can, can God help realign a believer who's kind of just glanced off to the side? Absolutely. Can he tr- pierce the heart of those even within his building who don't truly have a relationship as with Christ as Savior and Lord? Yes, but we get to be part of it. He calls us to go out to search and to rescue. 
uh, to bring someone back. And it, it is a pursuit. It's, it's seeking after and keeping each other accountable and encouraging one another. Do you know, I've, I'm sure as I'm sharing this that there are a couple of names that come to mind. Someone who used to be faithful and COVID sure didn't help, did it. Um, someone who is faithful pre-COVID, got involved, all of a sudden everything's locked down. And it's like, man, it's so much convenient just to stay home. I watch, I'll watch online and I'm glad all of you are, are watching online. But then things happen at the house and, and you just kind of get busy and then it's just easier not to sign on. And, and I know that we've lost some, um, who just weren't really committed in their faith and who have wandered, uh, in understanding that, that we are called as family members of this church, as believers, as family members of the church, to go out and make sure that we are we are keeping in touch with our brothers and sisters in their faith. Now, I'm not giving you permission to get all of your nose into someone's business. All right? This isn't gossip fest. This isn't, you know, let's make a plan and, oh, can you believe sister so-and-so and brother Husenheimer or whatever. No. But there is something to being accountable to each other and encouraging one another when you know that a brother or sister has drifted away and needs that loving encouragement and understanding that it's in love and it is Christ uh, who's doing the work. Galatians 6.1 says, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. And so restore him in a spirit of gentleness and in love. And so, yes, it's going to be messy. It's It might be uncomfortable. But wouldn't you rather take that chance in love to, to have a conversation with a brother and sister versus being that brother and sister that has kind of wandered off and you kind of look back like, man, they didn't even miss me. They didn't even care. Like, that's terrible. Um, and so we need to continue to encourage one another. And when we look at Jesus' example, what did Jesus come to do? To seek and save those who are lost. Jesus came to seek. We are more like Jesus when we are seeking after those who are lost. Either those who have never known Christ as Savior and Lord or wandered away, never fully committed and been part of our church family. That's why it's so important for us to be involved in the life of the church. Uh, and I'm not talking about busyness, but being exposed more to a Bible study, a small group of believers to encourage one another, uh, to be ministry or to be a, a, be a part of a ministry, to show that fruit of love to our neighbors, to each other. And so life is important in the church and it's important piece of our, of our relationship with God because we are here to encourage one another. And so, James ends with verse 20, talking about saving from death and the covering of sins. We know, and we've talked about this, it's only Jesus that forgives, that saves our soul and covers a multitude of sin. And so, but being a part of that, you know, we don't have the power to do that. That's only Jesus. But we get to help, and we get to be a part of this situation where someone's wandered off. And imagine someone out in the desert, uh, they've lost 
uh, their water and their food, and they're about to die out there. And you have an opportunity to go, and you find them, and you rescue them, and you give them water. You give them whatever food you have, and you transport them to the hospital uh, for care and for hydration and and for them to be taken care of by the professionals. And then a few days later, they get out of the hospital, and they call you up. And what do they say? Thank you for saving my life. Now, you didn't really save their life. You helped, though, right? You didn't produce the water or the food, but you gave it to them. You aren't a medical professional and created the medicines and all that's needed for the body to heal itself and, and come back to full strength, but you helped. And so here we are at the amazing privilege to work alongside God the Father by the power of the Holy Spirit with the name of Jesus to those who are lost. And God uses us, and we're instruments that, that he uses for his glory in the life of his church in his world. And so knowing that we have that that privilege as we look at the last few verses of James about prayer, that yes, it, it'd be so much easier just to pray for people, right? It gets messy to get in people's business. But I'm just going to pray for sister so-and-so and brother Husenheimer. I'm not going to, I'm not going to get in their business. They might think I'm getting nosy. No, it's okay. Because James says, act on it. Pursue them. Have that conversation. And knowing that sometimes prayer isn't enough, uh, that, that God wants us to be or wants to use us in those situations. Uh, and so as we look at what it means, what true faith is, and understanding that Christ is the center of it all and that he is our Savior and Lord, is nothing but to be glorified in our own life, glorified in the life of this church, of the church, keeping our eyes focused on him, pursuing him with all that we have, and keeping him at the forefront of our, of our pursuit in this life, but also keeping an eye out for our brothers and sisters who are wandering, who, are, who aren't quite there, or even those in this relationship with God who are farther back in the faith growth process or maybe farther ahead for encouragement. Here's this opportunity that we have to, as this book of James, as we conclude this morning, to be challenged in our faith, to understand the importance, the key person of Christ Jesus in the center of it all, because without him, everything falls apart. In our own faith, in our own church, in our own relationship with others, to be an encouragement. And so as we close this time together, I pray that, that we've looked deep. We've looked deep down. Maybe we've kind of taken a break. And it's time to get back on track and pursuing God and all that we, all that we are and, and who we are. Maybe you're here and you haven't truly understood what it means to have Christ Jesus as your Savior and Lord. Please, and we're going to have invitation in a minute. We're going to have a couple of deacons on the side. I'll be here up front. Please come and talk to us. Talk to someone to really make sure your faith is alive and fruitful and you understand what it means for Jesus Christ to be Lord of your life. And I pray that we are just holding hands together as we continue forward. And whatever plans God has for our church, that we continue to glorify him, that we continue to pursue him in all that we do, 
and all that we are to encourage one another in our own faith, but then find those who are lost that desperately need Jesus. And we get to be a part of all of it right in the midst of God at work here at First Baptist Waldorf. So pray with me. Father, as we wrap up this time together, I pray that we are challenged. I pray that I pray that we are truly seeking to see what our faith is like. Father, I pray for those who are struggling in their faith that there are people that will come and encourage them and and rally around them. Father, I pray for those who might not understand fully what it means to be committed and have their life given completely into the grace and love of God the Father in this relationship and faith in Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord. Father, I pray for opportunities for us to go and to find those who are lost in our home, at work, wherever we are, that we are always keeping our eyes uh, to look and to seek and to rescue those who need your love and your salvation. Father, thank you for this morning. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.